0: Um, so after a couple of years of resisting, uh, my family has finally jumped into the Instant Pot phenomenon. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of the Instant Pot, uh, but um, you know, over a few times over the past couple of years, this has been popular. I've I've been uh, cornered a couple of times by like these crazed Instant Pot fanatics, you know, it's like a religious following, and, and, you know, you back you up in a corner and tell you everything that you can do with Instapot, and I just said, hey, I, I don't want to mess with that, this thing, these followers are devout, and I don't want to mess with that group of people, but, so I resisted it, but, you know, Cyber Monday rolled around, this is the dangerous thing about being an Amazon customer, Cyber Monday rolled around, uh, there was like a half-off Instapot, I thought, look at how much money I'm going to save by buying this Instapot, so we got it, and man, it really can cook anything, uh, it takes whatever you throw at it, and it just transforms it into, go- into goodness, you know. And so you can throw some frozen chicken in there, sprinkle a little water on top, some salt and pepper, 20 minutes later, it's, it's a meal, you know. And so it really is phenomenal. And so we we, we caved this year, we've given it a try, we're hooked. And, and um, it's like a safer version of the old, you know, when I was a kid, we had this um, old school pressure cooker that also could double as a bomb. And every now and then... <laughs> We would evacuate the house because we thought mom thought the house was gonna explode and it you know and uh, but this the Instapot is everything that we value as a culture. It's cheap, it's fast, and it's safe, right? And those are those are the things that we value and, and it makes some terrific meals and so it takes anything you throw at it and it transforms it. You know, I've actually been eyeing this uh, this rotten uh, roadkill skunk on the side of the road. And I'm convinced if I throw that in the Instapot, some salt and pepper, it's going to come out delicious, you know, because it's just, it's amazing. And so um, there's something that the Instapot has in common with, with God, and that's that, um, you know, God transforms whatever we throw at him. He transforms it into something good. But there's a key way that that, that, that God is different than an Instapot, um, and, and, uh, and, and that's that, you know, God isn't, as caught up in speed and and quickness as we are as i've been making some as and i were making some experimental meals this last week just you can make what in it let's try you know as we were doing some of that you know i've thought wouldn't it be nice in different situations going on with me and going on with people that i love would it be nice if i could just hit a button and say hey we're going to high pressure this thing and 20 minutes from now there's going to be transformation that would be beautiful. That would be wonderful. We would all buy that. We would all love that. But God is like a, a, a chef. You know. A, a, you're, uh, he, he's, he's cooking something good, and it takes time. You know uh, That brisket that, that we're going to have for, uh, to support the Belize uh, uh, team, uh, when Randy was cooking that brisket, he didn't cook it in an Instant Pot, I'm pretty sure, when I tasted it. It did not taste like that. He slow cooked that thing. He, he put time into it. And, and God takes his time with our transformation, and, and one of the, that's one of the things that's really beautiful about God, and it's one of those things that really frustrates us about God. He often does his work slowly, deeply, and at his own pace. And I pray that as we are unwrapping our gifts this Christmas, I pray that, that, that you would appreciate the slow and deep work that God is doing in you, the slow and deep work that he wants to do in you, um, there's hundreds of Old Testament prophecies that point forward to Jesus. And many of those prophecies are incredibly specific of you know, where Jesus was going to be born and the circumstances around his birth. And his, his birth is prophesied, his, his life is prophesied, his, his, his death is prophesied, his resurrection is prophesied. And I was sitting around the, uh, the fireplace one cold evening earlier this week trying to have this conversation with the kids. And I said, Ethan, you know, our, our five-year-old, I said, uh, uh, almost five-year-old, I said, Ethan, you know, wouldn't it be amazing if hundreds of years ago, uh, prophets had said, Ethan McGowan will be born in Birmingham. And he said, I wasn't born in Birmingham. I was born in Alabama. And I said, okay, well, we'll talk about geography later. But, uh, but is so incredibly specific, some of these prophecies. But what gets me is that these prophets looked forward to the day of the Messiah, and they looked forward to a day that they themselves didn't get to see. They longed for this day to come, and they didn't see the Messiah's incarnation. They didn't see that first Christmas with their own eyes. Um, and, and in the midst of waiting, the prophets uh, looked to a coming day of fulfillment. So a couple of weeks ago, we looked at creation, how we can recognize Jesus as supreme in creation. Last week, Logan spoke to us from the law on how we can recognize Jesus in the law, and we recognize our need for Jesus, and we recognize our need for a new covenant as we look at the old covenant. Um, but in the prophets, we recognize Jesus As we wait, um, in the midst of waiting, we recognize Jesus. And so what I want us to hear today is that because the prophets trusted uh, God's promises yesterday, you can trust God's promises today. God made good on the promises he made to the prophets yesterday. And God is going to make good on every promise he's ever made. Because God's uh, prophets trusted God's promises yesterday, you can trust God's promises today. And so as we see... um, Jesus, recognized Jesus in the prophets, we see that Jesus isn't like God's plan B. He's not a reaction to our mess, but he's God's redemption of our mess. He's always intended to come to us, always intended to become one of us and save us. And we're reminded of that as we look at these promises that were made about him hundreds of years before his birth. So in Matthew, uh, Matthew's gospel was specifically written you know, primarily for a Jewish audience. And so uh, Matthew really wants us to see that Jesus is the promised king. He's the one that was expected to come. And so over and over and over through his gospel, Matthew says these words, this happened to fulfill what the prophets spoke or what was written in the prophets. And, and of all the hundreds of prophecies, we're going we're to center in on, we're just going to uh, zoom in on four uh, prophecies that Jesus Fulfills that his birth fulfills, and we're going to find those in Matthew 1 and 2. So let's start in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man, a righteous man, an upright man, a man of character, and unwilling to put her to shame... He resolved to divorce her quietly. Now, so, so we know the story. They're, they're betrothed. That's even more serious than engagement. Um, the Jews took purity very seriously. If Joseph suspected Mary of... Of, of immorality, he could have had her uh, killed. Uh, he could have had her, the punishment for immorality was death, okay? And so he could have had her hauled before uh, people and, and killed. Um, and he doesn't want to do that. He just wants to kind of send her away secretly and, 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 and not cause harm to her, but he wants to end the marriage because he finds out that she's expecting. And, 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 and when we talk about the virgin birth and just the miraculous. Uh, setting around Jesus' birth. Sometimes people say, "Well, I don't really believe in the virgin birth." Or, you know, these people back then just didn't really understand how childbirth works. Here, listen. They understood how it worked. Okay, that's why. That's why there's a the whole thing about it is because everybody did know exactly how it works. And so it's not like the, this virgin birth thing was something that, that came up with people 2,000 years ago that were stupid. No, they knew exactly how pregnancy and how birth works. That's why this is a thing. That's why this is a dilemma for Joseph. Um, and, 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 and there's these incredible, miraculous uh, surroundings that were prophesied of Jesus' birth. And so in Matthew one twenty three, Matthew quotes Isaiah. Isaiah wrote this prophecy 700 years before the first Christmas. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel. Just before that, the angel told Joseph in verse 21, you will call his name Jesus. He will save his people from their sins. Jesus' name, Jesus, means God saves. And there in Matthew one we we're told that what he saves us from is our sin. He saves us from the penalty of our sin, the power of our sin. And one day, we're even going to be saved from the the very presence of our sin. Um, So his name is Jesus, but this title of Emmanuel is given to him. He's given this title, Emmanuel, which means God with us, and He is um, He's God who is with us. And, and it's you know, if, if, I, if I was God and if I was the King of the universe, I would probably make my appearance in a lot more of a catchy way than Jesus did. Um, but Jesus steps into um, our mess, he, he is born as we know in a stable in this backwater part of the Roman Empire, and and I uh, uh, I love the way M.T. Wright puts this. No He says, No point in arriving in comfort when the world is in misery. No point in having an easy life when the world suffers violence and injustice. If he is to be Emmanuel, God with us, he must be with us where the pain is. That is what this chapter is all about. This chapter is all about Jesus entering our world where the pain is. This is all about Jesus entering our world in humility and in struggle and even, uh, even in sorrow. There was one Christmas I remember uh, as, a, as a little boy uh, I, I, I looked forward to getting um, this model railroad track and, and locomotives and, and engines and I wanted to start model railroading, um, which I know makes me like the maybe you and me are thinking well you 're the dorkiest little guy ever, but hey I, I loved it then I love it now i 'm not ashamed of it okay and so I, 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 every night for weeks, you know I would weigh those boxes and I, is this is this railroad track or is this a locomotive and and uh, you know, and Christmas morning came, I opened those gifts, and I got a bag of rocks instead of, no, I'm just kidding, I really did, I got the train, I got the train, and, and, and it was, um, you know, the track, and the and the boxcars, and the locomotive, and I was so excited, and everything I had hoped for, and longed for, and anticipated, it, it, it came to be, and some of the best time my dad and I ever had, were, was, was was running that model railroad, and building it, but you know, uh, that box I unwrapped under the tree didn't take away all my wants and desires. It, uh, the next Christmas, there were there were other things on my list that I wanted. Uh, nothing I've ever unwrapped under the tree has totally um, has totally uh, made me content. And, and Isaiah, hundreds of years before Christ, is looking forward to the day that God is going to give a gift to the world. that He's going to be unwrapped, and he is going to be God with us. He's going to be what we've been looking for all along, and he will satisfy us. And the amazing thing is, is that from the instant Jesus arrives in this planet, people are trying to kill him. Herod's going to try to kill him, and we end up rejecting him. You know, uh, we were talking about a situation in the prayer room before the service, just how rebellious our world is, how messed up our world is. Look, it's, not, it's just as rebellious and broken as it's always been. We're so rebellious that when Jesus, God's perfect gift came to us, we killed him. That's, 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 that's what we did, and that's what we would do again. Um, and so Jesus is God with us, and he enters the pain and the struggle of the world. At the end of the, Gospels, of the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus is going to say, I am with you always to the end of the age. Go and make disciples of all the nations. Um, because the prophets trusted God's promises yesterday. You can... Trust God's promise today. The next promise I want us to look at is found in Matthew 2. Remember the magi, these astrologers who were studying the stars, they came and they followed the star um, all the way uh, to Jerusalem. They say, where's the one born king of the Jews? And Herod freaks out and he says, what? There's another king that's going to challenge me. And he calls the religious leaders. And then the religious leaders point the way to Bethlehem. They say, well, the, the scripture says in the, in the word of the prophet, verse 6, Matthew 2 6, you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So, the exact place where Jesus is going to be born is, is prophesied. But what's amazing to me is the religious leaders pointed the Magi to Jesus. And then they waved at him when they left, but they themselves didn't go fall on their face before Jesus. They knew where he was going to be born. They heard the rumor that he had been born, but they don't go. And this Christmas, you know, it's, it's really interesting. Uh, it's really easy to, like, point other people to Jesus. Well, that person needs Jesus, and hey, you need Jesus. But are we just pointing other people to Jesus, or are we falling down on our faces before Jesus? Advent is an opportunity to fall on our own faces and worship him um, like he's worthy of. Um, because and so hundreds of years before jesus was born micah has this promise this this prophecy that that the messiah is going to be born he's going to be born in bethlehem the city of david and he's going to shepherd the people of israel and 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 as the magi come we we see that uh jesus isn't just the king for jews only he's the king for all people in fulfillment of prophecy the one who's going to make everything right micah says that jesus is the good shepherd who shepherds our wayward hearts. Um, following down, we're going to pick up what Hosea says. Matthew chapter 2, verse, uh, uh, verse 13. When they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what was what the Lord had spoken through the prophet, out of Egypt I call my son. So Jesus, just like the people of Israel, Jesus goes into Egypt, and then just like the people of Israel, uh, God's going to call Jesus and his family out of Egypt. And that's in the the, the fulfillment of this prophecy of Hosea. Hundreds of years before Christ, Hosea makes this prophecy, out of Egypt, I will call my son. Now Hosea is talking about the people of Israel themselves. But Matthew takes that promise, and he applies it to Jesus because... Because Jesus is the one who's reliving the history of Israel and going down to Egypt and being brought back out of Egypt. Why, why did God call Israel out of Egypt to begin with? Um, he called them out of Egypt to be faithful to him. He called them out of Egypt to be a light to the world. He called them out of Egypt to, to be the people that would say, come and see what God has done. But Israel was not faithful they 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 didn't even have the smell of Egypt off of them, and they were already building idols and worshiping false idols. And so Jesus, in in when 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 Hosea says, and when Matthew says that Jesus is the Son of God called out of Egypt, what he's saying is Jesus is going to be the true Israelite. Jesus is going to be the one who's not going to give into temptation in the wilderness. Jesus is going to be the one who doesn't stiffen out his neck. Jesus is going to be the one who doesn't seek his own gain. Jesus is going to be the one who humbles himself all the way to death. Jesus is going to be the one who's faithful no matter what, and uh, of all the gifts that you can unwrap this Christmas, a gift that, that you can unwrap day after day after day, is this conviction and this revelation that God is faithful. That's what Advent's about. That's what that's what this time of year is about. That's what the birth of Jesus is about, is that God is faithful to you. In the midst of your pain, in the midst of your struggle, in the midst of loss, God is faithful. And that's something that uh, that, that you can unwrap all, all year long, but especially at this time of the year, that's a gift to us that God is faithful. The prophets trusted God yesterday. We can trust God today and tomorrow. And just to move on uh, to, the, to the fourth and final prophecy, verse 16, Herod, when he, uh, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, they didn't go back and tell him where Jesus was. He became furious and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem. And in that region, who were two years old or under. He kills all the toddler boys and younger, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. Now Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, 700 years before Jesus, he's quoted. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. Herod ordered the deaths of all of these infants. I mean, this is a tragic terrible traumatic thing um, and anytime tragedy happens especially when tragedy happens near the holidays we'll say man I can't believe that happened so close to Christmas isn't that terrible that happened so close to... as if it would be good anytime it happened but there's the sense that we have that Christmas is all about joy but even from the beginning Christmas was about joy mingled with suffering. All the way at the beginning of Christmas, you've got the joy of Jesus' incarnation mixed with the suffering of Herod slaying innocent babies. From the very beginning, Christmas is about this union of sorrow and joy. And sometimes when we feel like, you know, the only gift under our tree this year is grief. You ever felt that way? Sometimes you feel like the only gift under your tree is grief and you feel like you're just doing Christmas wrong but the reality is grief may tap you into the heart of Christmas more than anything else because grief and joy have always been what Christmas is all about. And we find both of those here in Jesus being spared and all these other baby boys being killed. And, and the crazy thing about Jeremiah's prophecy, this is Jeremiah 31, talking about this weeping. He saw through a glass dimly that there's coming a day um, that, that all these, all this terrible is going to happen. Um, these children are going to be destroyed. These innocents are going to be brutalized. But all the rest of Jeremiah 31 is about hope. That somehow after and somehow in the midst of this terror and this horror and this grief and this loss, there's hope. Jeremiah 31 ends with this promise of a new covenant. A new covenant that would be written not on tablets of stone that we could try really hard to obey, but a new covenant that God's Spirit would write on our hearts. A new covenant that would be purchased with better blood than the old covenant. Um, and, and, and so even in the, in the pain and the loss uh, that Jeremiah foretold, he saw a better Christmas coming because, uh, because a better covenant would be established through the death and resurrection of Jesus. Uh, Matt Chandler wrote. Uh, I, I want to just read you an excerpt from something he wrote called a, B- "A Better Christmas," and he reflects back on the time a few years ago when he found out he had brain cancer, and he's sitting there at Christmas time wondering if he's going to live to see another Christmas. And he and he said, and, and he says in that, as he reflects back on that time in his life, he says that he discovered through that suffering that Jesus is enough. You know, and, and something that our 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 forms of celebrating Christmas often drives home to us is that we need something else in order to have enough. But you know, and I know, we've lived enough Christmases to know that there's nothing we're going to unwrap from Amazon or or, or unwrap from Target that's going to be enough. But our suffering and our struggle and our joy, in those moments we can learn that Jesus is enough. And Chandler says, Maybe you're feeling beat up and banged up. Perhaps this is your first Christmas without a spouse. Maybe you're lonely. Maybe you can't get where you'd like to be in life. Maybe you're sick or somebody you love is sick. Something's happening this year and has made you aware of how fragile things are. He says, remember, this is not all there is. God is involved in the mess of this world. Remember, he's God with us. So he can share his joy with you now and bring you into his perfection one day. Invite him in. Keep walking through the valleys and the peaks of this life with him. Look forward. Christmas finishes quickly each year. What we look forward to soon lies behind us, but you can look forward to a day that will never end and a future that will never disappoint. The decorations will get packed away, but this year hope and joy don't have to be. You can look at the God who came and lay in that manger. You can look forward to the day when he comes again, and you can have an even better Christmas. Christmas, uh, however we sell whether you've got grief under the tree, whether you've got joy on the tree, whether you've got grief and joy both under the tree, Christmas points beyond itself to a better Christmas is coming. There is coming a day when everything's going to be set right. And because God is faithful, because God uh, is trustworthy, you can hold on to Jesus between now and then. Jesus is, according to Matthew and according to the prophets, he's God with us, he's the good shepherd, he's the faithful deliverer, he's the one who saves his people from their sins. Um, That's a lot to unwrap.